we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. and welcome to another exciting episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence, the show where sex and violence scheme against each other to see who comes out on top. My name is Orlando. Joining me is my guest, co-host, and roommate, Ned. How's it going, Ned? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Rolling lovely deep. day today. It is. It is a very lovely day. It's like nice and cool, nice and sunny, the best of both worlds. It's a good day for a movie, you think? Yeah. <laughs> it actually is a day to be outside, but I'm an indoor cat anyway, so, you know, fuck nature. Let's watch some goddamn movies. Yeah, I was out already. Movie time. Movie yeah. time. Good, good. Uh, now, last time we watched American Pie, which was our first official foray into comedy. Yeah. And we were talking about how one of the things that I feel um, weakens comedy as a genre overall is how de- dependent they are on the current cultural zeitgeist and how they, they really have a short shelf life. But of course, it doesn't apply to all comedies. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of classic comedies out there. So I thought, even though American Pie doesn't really commit that sin that much as we discovered, yeah. I did want to go ahead and maybe watch a comedy that I feel is a good example of a comedy that stands the test of time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So today we're going to watch A Fish Called Wanda, which is a 1988 heist comedy uh, directed by Charles Crichton. No relationship to Michael Crichton. Ah. Uh, It's written by John Cleese, and it stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Kline, and Michael Palin as a gang of diamond thieves who double-cross one another, and it also stars a barrister played by John Cleese who becomes entangled in their schemes. Have you ever seen this movie, Ned? I haven't. I am going to be going into this one very cold, but I did not realize that it has a fair amount of uh, Monty Python alumnus involvement. Right. So I'm actually already much more excited mm-hmm. now that I know that. Yeah, John Cleese and Michael Palin are both from Monty Python. Yeah, That's yeah. who they're better known as. Um, and uh, John Cleese, uh, this was after they were done with the troupe and everything. And, and John Cleese wrote this movie and asked uh, Michael Palin to be in it. Um, it, it's good. It's interesting because you're gonna, you're gonna, as you're gonna see, they only share one scene in the movie. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But, but, but it's, even, but it's even a great so, scene though. Yeah, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm very excited. And then we have, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting movie too because we have half American cast, half British cast for the, yeah. for the main four stars. Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Kline, who are, are both pretty fantastic actors. I think I, I enjoy their work. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Uh, especially Kevin Klein, I think he's really great. Uh, you you know nothing about this movie though. You didn't know that it was a heist film, right? No, I didn't. I I had heard the title like thrown around here and there, like one or two people, big fans of this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I just never I never got around to asking what it was about. So. Um, yeah, going into this thing completely cold. This is a kind of movie, again, like, so, as I said, it stands the test of time, but it was also made in the, in the 1980s. So there's going to be a fair amount of, like, problematic stuff in it, I think, for us to, to discuss. There's also a lot of, you know, gratuitous sex and violence in the movie. Um, 
And uh, I feel like, you know, one of the things that, that is really captured in this movie, the tone, is that uh, anarchic spirit that was very prevalent in the Monty Python movies and the show. Even though it doesn't have the surreal humor, but it, it has a lot of that anarchic comedy spirit. So, so, sort of a skepticism with, like, institutions, you could say, that kind of thing, and just yeah. sort of, like, absurdity and... Yeah, although, again, it doesn't go quite as surreal as Monty Python, but there is this, like, sense of, like, breezy timing to it all. Okay. Like, everything just clips along very well, and it's just, like, very witty, and the, the joke's almost like... It's almost like, you know... Even the jokes that go over your head, you understand that they're very clever. But then there's there's on on top of it being like very heady. There's also like this very like bathroom humor yeah. undercurrent going underneath at the same time. Yeah. So definitely. if you don't enjoy one, you enjoy the other, and they, and they kind of fluctuate back and forth of which one takes like the reins. That sounds good. I, so, I can I can get into that. So I'm excited for you to watch this. Are you excited to watch A Fish Called Wanda? Absolutely. All right, guys. So if you want to watch this movie, it is available to stream on HBO. If you don't have HBO, you can always rent it. It's a comedy classic. And not even though it was very popular in the late 80s, not a lot of people know about it today. So it's somewhat obscure. And I highly recommend this movie. You will not have a bad time watching it. All right. So well, we'll watch this movie. We'll come back. We'll see you on the other side. Yeah. Yep. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship, no emotion, just sex. And we are back. <laughs> we just saw a fish called Wanda. Oh, man. First reactions. Wow. <laughs> um, that was super fun. Yeah. Uh, real funny. Um, yeah, like definitely very Python-esque. Right. But like with a, a less, yeah, less surreal as mm-hmm. you pointed out. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, my God, like what a, what a fantastic crew of uh, leading stars. Right. Just like everybody the is great. was so good. Um, just like all the performances were incredible. The way they bounced off each other mm-hmm. was incredible. Um, especially Jamie Lee Curtis. Like she just fucking nailed it. Yeah. Um, oh, it, it's just, yeah, so good. It so, really is her movie. It, it is. It so is. Like, um, and, and just like so many good great like you know wacky physical comedy Mm -hmm. bits um there's a lot of great visual comedy to go along with the dialogue um there's a lot of they do a really good job of just like you know you know the juxtaposition between the information you're hearing and the information you're seeing there's a lot to keep track of there's like you know because it's a it's It's a a, heist movie it's a heist movie so it's all about the double crosses and nobody being trustworthy and Mm -hmm. everybody playing off of each other and against each other so like there's just always crazy things going on um it's so good it's it's so good yeah um i'm i'm i I love this movie Uh, i first watched it when I was in high school and I was a huge fan of Monty Python. That's actually what got me into theater was I I watched all the, the Monty Python flying circuses. uh, And then uh, 
I watched the movies, and then when I ran out of that, I started looking for more stuff that the that the Python p- members made, and this one is one of them. Yeah. So I watched this movie, and uh, it's uh, it's incredible. It, it uh, I think the first time I watched this movie was probably the most I've ever laughed at a movie to that point in my life. Yeah. Um, and There's so uh, many great bits. It still like, makes me laugh. I mean, I just watched this yesterday as research for today, and it, and I was still cackling. It was so yeah, funny. It was so good. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this, especially, well, first of all, just very quickly, how I was saying at the beginning, um, this is an example to me of a movie that stands the test of time, whereas like uh, most comedies, you know, have a very short shelf life. Do you agree that this movie... Yeah, feels I mean, like it lasts. Yeah, I would say like definitely. I mean, it's very much of a very specific time, and right. there are definitely quite a few specific cultural references to the era. Um, especially like the references to Vietnam at the very end, which mm-hmm. would have been much more recent, I think. Right. In and to Margaret Thatcher and to Margaret Thatcher and all that, but um, but. Yeah, as far as like the what's actually driving the comedy, uh, yeah, it's much more timeless. Mm-hmm. It's it's much more, you know, it's it's something that works in any era, mm-hmm. like a group of you know crooks who right. are who are who are all who all don't trust each other and all are you know pulling different hijinks to to try to pull one over on mm-hmm. each other right. and um, and all of the hilarity that ensues from that. I think um, that that really is the key to it is that it works as a heist film. As well as a comedy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it was interesting that, like, uh, the heist happens very early in the film, and so the rest of the story is... uh is just basically the aftermath of yeah, the heist. So I actually costume. really, I actually really like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to like having the heist at the end, I think it's 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 a nice sort of reversal right. of the usual heist film format to to have the the real fun of the film be this extended getaway sequence. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's just them, you know, figuring out how to how to get clear of the law right. with the loot. Um, yeah. So, uh, so how yeah, to find the loot too, and how to find the loot. Yeah, exactly. All right. So before we. We uh, discuss this movie a little more in depth. Uh, let's play some Fish Called Wanda trivia. Absolutely, yes. So this is a very a pretty dense movie for a comedy. Yeah, there's a lot of detail here. So I I am I am skeptical of my chances. Um, but this, but you didn't do too well last time for American Pie. But I will say I think that this movie to me at least is rings more memorable. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, here comes question number one. Starting yeah. you nice and easy. Which philosopher is Otto? Presumably obsessed with. <laughs> uh, Otto is obsessed with Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Yeah, Friedrich Nietzsche. And uh, Otto, of course, I love the running gag of of him just being this complete idiot, but wanting to feel so superior to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I think that's that's a really fun aspect of him. Like that they yeah they they put a nice twist on him not just being a strong man right. it's more that it's more that he is he is an aggressive strong man but also just that he has a temper that's fueled by yeah. a, by an intelligence inferiority on inferiority complex right. that um that really definitely works for mm-hmm. um for a lot of the comedy involving him and like <laughs> and 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 especially because like he makes all these great attempts to like outwit like the right, scene always when he, yeah like when he like when he <laughs> pretends to be from the CIA right. and it's it's always just a complete fucking yeah. disaster. Um, 
it's it's pretty brilliant. I mean, Kevin Clyde is just so great. Also. Yeah, he is. Well, and, and he's hammy as hell. Like he's one of the hammiest right. actors out there. I but, think the, um, the part it, fits. It, yeah, it's perfect for him mm-hmm. um, to just be this this like really scummy, really aggressive <laughs> guy who, who just will yeah will go to any lengths to try to come out on top. And it's kind of funny how we were talking about last time about Stifler being like that character who is not redemptive at all, but yet people like that character because we live vicariously through how bad he is and Otto is very much that type of character in this movie I feel like. yeah very much so mm-hmm. like uh yeah he's <laughs> he's pretty he's pretty irredeemable yeah. of, of all of the right. all of the crew uh, I mean they're all pretty scummy people right, they are. Um, but uh but yeah, by the end, he's he's definitely uh, he's definitely more of a villain than the others. All right, let's go to question number two. Yep. Uh, which two languages drive Wanda crazy? <laughs> I I I think I'm I'm wondering if if this uh, this. Uh, this particular kink of hers goes beyond the two <laughs> languages, but the two languages, the two languages that we see uh, that that seem to uh, do the trick are uh, uh, Italian and Russian. Italian and Russian. Yeah. That's, um, so really funny thing, like Kevin Klein actually, he did, he's not very well. Um, he didn't have a well uh, good grasp on the Italian language. He actually knows French pretty well. Oh yeah. And he requested John Cleese, who wrote the movie and also co- co-directed the movie. He um, he requested John Cleese if he could speak French instead, and John Cleese was very adamant that it had to be Italian. Yeah. I think that Italian. <laughs> The choice for Italian is hilarious. I don't know if John Cleese... I mean, he's a comic genius. I think that he has, like, a sixth sense about which language works. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, this movie... Yeah, the the language of this film is pretty great. The dialogue is all just incredibly witty. And, right. um, and, and I mean, yeah, John Cleese, I, I would have no doubt. I mean, I haven't read much of his writing, per mm-hmm. se, but, like... Yeah, like just just given given his his tenure with Monty Python alone, right. like he he has a good ear, mm-hmm. and and you can trust that. Right. And, um, and 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 also, I think that like um, <laughs> that uh, the the way uh, Kevin Klein sort of leans into these right, sort yeah. of nonsensical Italian phrases as well really really helps sell it, even if he wasn't actually as mm-hmm. comfortable with the language when they were filming. Uh, there were many times when Charles Crichton who uh, is the main director of this movie, uh, he would just roll and just keep rolling and let Kevin Klein run out of things so that it's to see, like, you know, what he would improv. Yeah. They encouraged that on the set for, for his character in particular. And there's one scene when he's, like, uh, uh, having sex with Wanda where he starts singing Volare. And the reason for that is because he ran out of Italian things to do and just started singing Volare. And and the, the film didn't have the rights to that song, so they had to procure the rights because they thought it was so funny that they wanted to keep it, so they procured the rights to the song in order to keep that bit. <laughs> that is amazing. Another interesting thing about that scene is that Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, we don't see it, but she actually buried her face in the pillows during Kevin Klein's ejac- ejaculation scene to keep her from bursting out laughing at the faces that he was making. <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Klein's O-face was fucking legendary. That was so funny. It was um, hilarious. It's, I, I, I do not think... Like like the 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 visual joke of a person's particular O face is is a pretty 
Like, like you see it a lot, right? But I think that's gotta be if it's if not one. the best one, definitely like top five. Mm-hmm. Like that, it, that was just so absurdly hilarious. It was great, and I think part of what makes it work is that his character. And a lot of times when you see like O faces, they kind of break character. It's like we're seeing like a different side to the character. But that one fits him so well because it's so it has that inferiority complex kind of baked into it a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> um, and one also like throughout that whole. Um, um, that whole scene between Kevin Klein and, or between uh, Otto and Wanda, mm-hmm. um, they, <laughs> the like the, you, I can, I could, I could see in Kevin Klein's face as he was like undressing himself right. that like even he seemed to really be having difficulty <laughs> not just trying not to keep it just together, bursting out into laughter. So um, it, it's it seems that everybody involved had a lot of fun with this. Movie. Yeah, and uh, the thing, the way they intercut that scene too with like the the boring normalcy of. <laughs> of Archie's family. I think that that also helps the comedy along too. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a it was a great sequence overall. Um question number 3. This is another auto question yes. and uh, you already hinted at it a little bit. Um so what was Otto's excuse for blocking the Leech's driveway? Uh, his excuse was that he uh, was a member of the CIA <laughs> and they were debriefing a KGB defector yeah. in the neighborhood and so he needed to knock on doors to make sure everyone was aware for safety. One of the great things about John Cleese's work, and, and you see this in Monty Python, but that's more sketch related, but if you watch, he, he had this awesome sitcom called Faulty Towers. I'm not yeah. sure if you're familiar with it. I've like seen some bits from it. Faulty but. Towers is a legendary sitcom. And he really honed down this skill of, I mean, every episode is like this perfect self-contained farce. And the comedy routines are born out from the story. And one of the great things that I love about this movie is that it works very much in that way. Like we have the Wanda seducing John Cleese to get information and then her jealous brother shows up to break it up. And then John Cleese's wife shows up. And so that gives way to this you know, comic routine, two people in the room trying not to be seen while all this is happening. And and John Cleese is the only one that knows everything is happening, is aware of everything. Yeah, well, and, and especially the, I, I just remember feeling like, just sort of like my, my mind being blown about how brilliant that moment was when like both of them are hiding but like for different reasons right. because because she's hiding from the wife and he's hiding from from John Cleese yeah. and so so yeah it just it, it, it makes for a, a great sort of plates you know right. a, a plate balancing yeah. act of, it's of so comedy. fantastic so, and and yeah and the movie is is full of examples of mm-hmm. that of that of that sort of precariousness, right. and uh, and that and that makes for comedy. It's comedy gold. It's great. Yeah. Uh, here comes question number four. Yes. Now, if you give me the answer in dollars, that's fine because they repeat it a lot. But I'm looking for the answer in pounds. Ooh. How much is the Diamond High scene, uh, score worth? The Diamond High score. How much is it worth? I think. Uh huh. All right, I think I can give them. I think I can give both. Okay, figures. all right. Um, Thirteen million in pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twenty million in dollars. Correct. Thirteen million pounds. That Twenty conversion million rate, yo. dollars. Which is a pretty good score. Even today, I wouldn't balk at thirteen million pounds. Of yeah, 20 million I'd, dollars. I'd, I'd commit. I'd commit a crime. If, if, <laughs> if, if it was if, a short thing. If, if there was a guaranteed. If there was a twenty. Look, if there was a guaranteed twenty million at the end of it. 
I'm a guaranteed a success two. rate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, therein, therein lies the rub. <laughs> In the robbery scene, it was really Kevin Klein who shot the crossbow at the sensor, and Kevin got the shot off correctly on the second take. Nice, so. nice. That makes sense. Kevin Klein, he he strikes me as a bit of a perfectionist type mm-hmm. of actor, so that that makes total sense to me. That he'd yeah. be like, "Yep, yeah, I'm gonna just nail this shot." And and again, wanting wanting to be able to to, to do speak it, yeah. French uh, instead of right. instead of Italian. Another example of mm-hmm. like, oh, he wants he wants to do a good job. And, I know, and I can I can appreciate that. Though is is, is was was Kevin Klein a, a difficult actor to work with? Have I have no I have no like idea that? about I, him. I, I feel like. I I feel like people like to work for is what I've gathered. Oh, okay, cool. Maybe maybe I'm mis- mixing him up with someone else then. Or I don't know. Maybe like every actor is difficult to a degree. I there was uh, I don't know. According to the, this, the making of this movie, everyone had a blast making this movie. So. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. And I'm actually surprised. Maybe this has something to do with it. I don't know, but I'm actually surprised that Kevin Klein like doesn't get that much more notoriety for being like a great comedic actor because the, the times that I've seen him be like he's great in everything that I've seen him and but I feel like he never reached of those actors that were very prominent in like the 80s like that he's never he never reached like the level of a Robin Williams for example yeah 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 and, and because he he's good at he's good at big comedy yeah. too like that's a thing like he's really good with like big physical right. stuff and, and stuff that is kind of very in that heightened style mm-hmm. that's not necessarily as restrained. Right. So um so yeah, no, I, I think he definitely yeah, he's he's a formidable comedic force to be sure. Alright, here comes question number five. Now you are so far acing all this right, quiz. Right, we're seeing it, we're seeing it. Do I get the whole 20 mil? Let's see, Who's let's say? see. Who's the say? Now Archie says that he used to box for which school? Ooh. Ooh. Comes right at the end of the movie. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Oxford. Correct. Yeah, it's okay. Oxford. Yeah, I mean, it's the most well-known English school, but uh, one of the West. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think I can. I right now, off the top of my head, I can't think of another. Oh, really? Not even Eden College? Come on. No, not even Eden College, (laughs) though though the song still haunts my dreams. (sighs) Shucking. Shucking indeed. Shunting. Shunting. Never mind. Shunting. Shunting. It's a reference to uh, our third episode, by the way, where we we discuss society. (laughs) Eden College. Well, now I got a second you uh, aced that quiz. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. You have full bragging rights. Now, very interesting. John Cleese, actually, he, he so he plays a British barrister. He entered Cambridge University. Cambridge. There's another school. Mm-hmm. God damn it. As okay. a law student. Oh. Although he never became a member of the British bar. But he originally was there as a law student. Oh. Now, that factors into <coughs> our bonus. We actually have two bonus questions for you today. Okay, sure. So I'll, you can get I a mean, whole bunch I, I of bragging rights. I already won, but like, yeah, sure, okay. These are just <laughs> both really good. I'm down. I'm going to give you like the hard one first and then, okay. and then the, the easy one. I appreciate that. Uh, the bonus is, so as a member, when he was in Cambridge, All right. uh, he became a member of the Cambridge Footlights which is a famous uh, sketch comedy troupe from Cambridge. A lot of famous British comedians got their start in the Cambridge Footlights. So I want you to give me which other notable Cambridge Footlight member appears in this movie. 
in A Fish Called Wanda. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Stephen Fry. Correct! It's Stephen Fry! Oh, I, can I say, <laughs> I was so happy when I saw Stephen Fry walk in frame for that yeah. one little bit. So small of the movie. movie. Yeah. Um, I adore Stephen Fry. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Fry and, of a bit of Fry and Laurie. Um, he's he's just a wonderful. He, he seems to be just like a wonderful human being. He is, and, yeah, uh, yeah, he, and, and and a brilliant, brilliant comedian, a brilliant in his own right. person. Yeah, period. He's like brilliant, even beyond comedy. Yeah, brilliant. yeah, no, he's just yeah, he's he's yeah, he's he's great. He's great. He's Hugh, great. Hugh, I I deeply stand Stephen Fry. Hugh Laurie also was a member of the Cambridge Footlights. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's crazy. So like. Uh, John Cleese, Graham Chapman, and Eric Idle, all three of them went to Cambridge. Okay. And and they were part of the Footlights. And so from there, they, they formed Monty Python. Uh, Michael Palin and Terry Jones are the only two that didn't go to Cambridge. Uh, they actually went to Oxford. Okay. And they met there. But then cool. they, they met doing like television, writing television, then they became Monty Python. Nice. And nice. then, of course, we have Terry Gilliam, who was American. He didn't mm-hmm. go to either school. Oh, yeah, no. Nobody's perfect. All right, so here's the other bonus question. Okay. Um, if that one was easy, that one was way maybe, too easy maybe, for you. Maybe, maybe this one's way too easy, maybe, too. Maybe, or, may, or maybe this is the one that gets me, so Let's we'll see. see. Which cast member won the Academy Award f- for their performance in this film? You see, oh, see, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm gonna say, mm-hmm. it sh- you know, you know what? It, it I, I, I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. I can't think. Uh, I, I, I can't think of who, who it is. I, I don't know for sure. Um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say it should be Jamie Lee Curtis. So I'm gonna say that it was Jamie Lee Curtis. It's, a, it's a testament to how good everyone is in this movie. That it's you hard. Had, it's that a you had really hard. Yeah, out. it's a really hard choice. Um, but I would say since it is her movie, and I think her performance is brilliant in it, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's her. I'm guessing maybe the maybe answer probably. is Kevin Klein. Damn. Kevin Klein won the 1988 Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for Best this movie. Best Supporting Actor. I, you know, I mean, when I was trying to logic the question out in my head, I imagined that it would have probably been for a supporting actor role because generally mm-hmm. there is a bias in the against Oscars comedy. against comedy. Um, so that does make sense. Mm-hmm. That does make sense. I'm still fine with my answer though, because Jamie Lee and and I think that if Jamie Lee Curtis won, it would have been for lead actor, right, or lead actress, I should say. But um, yeah, no. Interesting thing about his win: Kevin Klein won the Oscar without winning any previous awards during the year's award season. Uh, he only received a BAFTA nomination. This is a rare feat in terms of Oscar winners. Uh, and, and his, uh, he, in fact, I think like he's one of the only ones that, that have won the Oscar without winning any previous awards that season. Wow. That's, that's yeah, that's a feat. That's a feat. Um, and, and a damn good performance. Yeah, so he was great. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not mad at that. All right, so this movie actually holds uh, the record for the longest time to reach number one. Uh, from this record stands from 1982 to present. The movie was released on July 15, 1988, in in America, and reached number one on September 16, 1988. So it was a bit of a sleeper hit. 
Okay. Uh, but but uh, a lot of people, you know, it became a, a huge hit and a lot of people loved it. Uh, and I think like, again, like I was saying at the beginning of the movie, a lot of, it's kind of obscure now. A lot of people don't know about this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I as I was saying earlier, I, I have like a friend or two from college who were uh, like really, really big fans of this movie and, and really liked it and spoke very highly of it uh, multiple times to me. And uh, it was a shame on me that I did not get around to seeing it yeah. until just now. It's great. Um, but yeah. John Cleese chose to name his character Archie Leach uh, based on what Cary Grant's real name was. Cary Grant actually was born Archie Leach. Oh, interesting. Um, and he was born, John Cleese was born 20 miles away from where Grant was born because Grant was born in Britain, even though we know him as an American actor because he, he uh, moved to America at a very young age. Yeah. Um, and... When asked about it, John Cleese said that he the reason he named his character Archie Leach is because this movie is the closest he would ever get to being Cary Grant. I mean, yeah, it it is kind of yeah. There is something Cary Grant esque. Yeah, Cary Grant esque. It, it's it's a you know a much funnier Hitchcockian sort of uh, right. deal in a way <laughs> with all of the double crosses. Mm-hmm. Or a little bit, a little bit Hitchcock, a little bit maybe a little more charade. Maybe is is more. The, I'm thinking like uh, bringing up baby like those uh, screwball comedies. That yeah, made. yeah. There's there's a there's a screwball. Yeah, there's definitely a very strong screwball element to it. Uh, to be sure, though though obviously a, a screw screwball. Of the criminal class, right? So not not as much notoriety mm-hmm. among the, uh, with with the exception of John Cleese's character. But uh, another interesting yeah. bit about this movie: 1989, when this movie was shown in theaters in Denmark, a Danish man named Ole Benson, an audiologist, literally laughed himself to death during the scene where Ken. Uh, played by Michael Palin, gets chips up his nose. Wow. Benson's heart rate went uh, up to over 250 beats per minute, and he succumbed to cardiac arrest. Oh, my God. Yeah. So That's mo- awful. I mean, you hear it. It's very rare that people die from laughing. Yeah. But, I mean, there is a Monty Python sketch right. about the, the so, deadliest joke yeah, in the world. Absolutely. Like, that is crazy. Well, apparently John Cleese wrote it in this movie. Wow. <laughs> that is, that is, wow. That's but, unbelievable. Uh, let's go to the first GSV segment. This one's called Shots, 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 Shots. We're talking about the gratuitous violence in this movie. Yeah, there quite, is violence. Yeah, quite a, quite a bit. Uh, quite uh, quite a few shots, to be sure. There are shots. Um, uh, I think one of my favorite shots is uh, the introductory shot of Kevin Klein's character yeah. during the opening sequence when the alarm when, wakes him up. Yeah, the alarm wakes him up, and he quells the alarm mm-hmm. with a bullet. And I was like, perfect introduction. And, and that and that was the moment, by the way, that that I knew. I was going to love this movie. Good. Like it was just that moment that I was like, okay, I get the wavelength this movie mm-hmm. is operating on and I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm all in. Um, so, so yeah, I, I was, I, I bought in very early. Uh, now there are also deaths, very notable deaths in this movie, not human, but I wanted to ask you the question, how many murder attempts do we have on the old lady, Miss Eileen Cody's life? And what happens during each attempt. Okay, okay. Um, well, 
Uh, it's the comedic rule of three. Right. So three murder yes. attempts uh-huh. to kill her. Um, the first time he uh, sends a vicious dog <laughs> after her. The dog, of course, uh, instead snatches up one of her three dogs and kills that dog instead. Yep. Um, the second murder attempt, uh, he... Uh, attempts to run her down in a van, mm-hmm. um, but he ends up killing her second dog. <laughs> yeah. And then the third murder attempt, he <laughs> attempts to shoot uh, the winch uh, or the, the, the pulleys of a massive, like, you know, block of cement or something mm-hmm. like that um, to crush her. Uh, of course, this block of cement crushes the third dog, <laughs> but the shock and assume assumedly trauma of the seeing her her third dog killed in as many days um causes her to presumably die of Mm -hmm. cardiac arrest as well it's uh it's really great how this movie sets up things so cleanly and then pays them off and how at the very beginning we set up the fact that ken is a animal lover yeah, that he loves animals. Mm-hmm. There's the moment where they first are getting away in the car and they almost hit her right. dog. And he's concerned and for the he's dog. concerned by it. So yeah, they really do a, a perfect job of just like, yeah, dropping those, you know, not necessarily hints because right. they explicitly do have a conversation where he talks about his love of animals, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, then to to then pay that off with <laughs> with his having to murder her yeah. and only killing the dogs <laughs> instead. It's so great. He has it's, to go to the funeral after. Yeah. <laughs> it is so, so great. Funny. Now, uh. the dogs that were the dogs that we see in the movie are actually the actresses, Patricia Hayes. Those were her own dogs. Oh my god. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh Cleese has said had that when they were Showing this movie to test audiences, they were afraid that people would react negatively to the fact that dogs are being killed, but no one reacted negatively to it. And he theorizes, he says that it's because no one actually likes Yorkshire Terriers. They say say that that's like the one dog that it's okay that you can kill. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I think uh, Mr. Cleese may be on to something there. <laughs> oh, the, that's uh, great. The dog death scenes were originally filmed with entrails from a butcher that were scattered around the dead dog. Now, the preview audiences did react strongly to that. So they changed and reshot the scenes to make it an Less. obvious fake straw dog. Okay, cool. That's good. That yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah. Too much gore would mm-hmm. probably be too much for audiences. Yeah, that it was, was cartoony. That was, yeah, yeah. It seemed very like Wile E. Coyote esque. In fact, well, and and I think that's a big part of it too. Is that again this this is this movie's comedic sensibility is very heightened. Mm-hmm. All of these characters are are you know. You know, it's it's not operating within a realm of like you know subdued realism. Mm-hmm. Like there is some comedy that works within that realm, but like this is all stuff that's like very broad, right. very high energy, and and very cartoony. Yeah, so it's a farce. Um, so so that that means that you're able to that like yeah you can go further with things like violence within that realm because right. it's. It's it's a part of yeah it's it it just it it's it's a little more easy to stomach and mm-hmm. so like yeah a, a gag around the sequential murders of dogs 
you know, as long as you don't make it too real by like, you know, having them die in a particularly gory fashion, um, it's it's a joke that that pays off. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, that's that's it's a big part of it is it, it's it's not necessarily knowing the audience, but it's it's knowing the style you're going for and sort of knowing that you're you're right. playing within a certain set of rules right. that that fits that style. Now, to give you a sense of just, like, the comedic depth that this movie has, the hymn that the choir boys sing at the dog's funeral is, the words are, Miserere Dominus, Miserere Dominus, Canis Mortus Est, which translated to English is, Have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, the dog is dead. <laughs> so that's even great. there, there's a joke. Oh, that's great. I was wondering, because I was like, oh, that's like a, that's actually, like, a pretty, that's actually, like, a pretty hymn. I wonder what mm-hmm. hymn that is, and, uh... Lo and behold, I guess they I guess they literally wrote it for the movie. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. There's a lot, like we said, there's a lot of like bits of violence sprinkled throughout. The other one that stands out to me, scene of, of violence, is the break-in. Yeah. Uh, where we see Kevin Klein, uh, he mistakes John Cleese for a robber and beats him up. He's there to apologize to him. Yeah. And he can't say, I'm sorry. Yeah. But then when he beats him up, all of a sudden he has no problem saying, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, that was a great, that was a great reversal and payoff, um, to, to have him come to that realization that he just beat the shit out of John Cleese, who he was there to apologize to. And, and the way he just so quickly was like i'm sorry i'm sorry um so good so good um let's go to the next segment this one's called boob tube we're talking about the gratuitous sex and nudity yeah there is nudity in this movie yeah there is nudity in the form of the 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 surprisingly tight body of John Cleese, <laughs> who fucking fucking works it. Yeah, he fucking works it. Good for him. Good for fucking him. Um, <laughs> I, re- I remember the first time I watched this that movie. That was the scene where I think I laughed the hardest in my life. Oh my god, it was so good. <laughs> just yeah. Well, and and it's just like yeah, because like having uh, having Jamie Lee Curtis just like <laughs> losing it while he's dancing right. around, stripping in Russian, right? Um, and then and then to have the final landing hit of the family walking in <laughs> while he's while he's still talking in Russian just escalates it. Oh. Oh, it's so good. It's so funny. And when he grabs funny. the picture of the woman who's just walked in to cover yeah. his genitals. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's a perfect little button um, for that gag. Um, John Cleese, let's just talk. I mean, obviously, we've talked about how they're all so great in this movie. And, and obviously, his comedic chops are fantastic because he's John fucking Cleese. He, yeah, he's a legend. He's, he's a living legend of comedy. But like, I was, I'm really surprised how awesome he is also at the quiet moments. Like... I mean, he lends the movie the gravitas that it needs to pull off the romance. Without that, I don't think the romance is really believable without him actually, the character, buying into the romance. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the thing, is that I think that, you know, it's... There's yeah I I agree with that that um he he manages to, he absolutely sells his side of the romance mm-hmm. and I think also that Jamie Lee Curtis actually you know because obviously she lies to everybody right. and she you know uses sex right against everybody yeah. in the movie and she is using sex against John Cleese for her own ends but like there's still just like so much great subtlety in their performances that like you there can is. actually that you can actually see that like 
there is something in her that actually is like falling for him mm-hmm. a little bit. And you see and it very so subtly. You, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, he it's, he's head over heels and she's kinda like gets there eventually. Yeah, yeah. But you can tell it, you can see like how it grows every time. I mean, first of all, their chemistry is fucking wild. Yeah, together. it's it's really great, yeah, how 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 much yeah, how yeah, how great they are together. Um I I, yeah. I very much remember I think that the scene that really sticks out to me is when when she first goes to his house uh, to seduce him to, to get information and she asks for a drink and he just the way that he like looks at her and says you are the most be- the most sexy most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my entire life the way he says that line is just like that's yeah. acting like I believe that I believe yeah. that he believes that and yeah you see it in his eyes and I mean, who wouldn't fall in love with that, honestly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's very sweet. It's very, very sweet. Now, let's talk about Wanda. Let's talk about Jamie Lee Curtis. She is the femme fatale of this movie. She's our main female character. We do get a fair amount of sexy time with her, too. Let me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, she, she is not shy in this film. Right. Uh, we don't see full-on nudity. We do see her in underwear, but we also see her engaging in very sexual positions with everybody. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and they are all hilarious. Yeah. Like, they are all right. just brilliantly right. funny scenes. Um, it kind of reminds me of, uh, of Marilyn Monroe's performance in some, like, it hot where Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe is of course this drop dead gorgeous sex symbol but her comedic chops are at the same level as Tony Curtis and Jack Lemon, uh, and this is the same here like we have uh, Jamie Lee Curtis who is this you know drop dead gorgeous American uh, and and her comedic chops are on the same level as these like three powerhouse performers yeah well and again a big part of it is that like it's you know again it's like you know the whole idea of like the femme fatale who uses Mm -hmm. sex as her weapon like that's you know a a tale as old as time right and um and and it's been played and it's been played for comedy too right uh, a lot and so like her performance is just so good because like uh like her character like also just knows people very well yeah. so it's like that you can see the difference in how she seduces yeah. different people right. based on understanding who they are the she fact acts differently that she, with her that that she there's like something in the back of her mind that like when she you know begins to work uh, uh, Archie's character mm-hmm. that like she knows that for him like what's going to work is like being a you know a law student right. and uh, and and specifically trying to engage him on the level of like fascination with his work mm-hmm. and um and and that completely plays in contrast to uh, you know being like the seductress mm-hmm. and uh, uh and and then also on top of that the fact that then there is also like very specific things that she herself really likes as well. The right. fact that she has this like the kink, <laughs> the, yeah, this like this linguistic fetish, um, which is so, so funny when it plays out. Um, so good. well, and especially because like I, I didn't quite see it coming because like you first have the scene where Kevin Klein is like talking in Italian and she's like, "Don't talk in Italian," and I wasn't one hundred percent catching on as to why she was saying mm-hmm. don't talk in Italian. At first I thought it was just oh, he just likes to talk in Italian right. and it pisses her off. Right. But then like the second time he does it and you see oh no, she actually really likes it. Speak it, um, speak it! Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> so so 
hilarious. I mean, the timing, um, the timing and, and, is and again, wrong. not to kink shame or anything. Like, you know, like no. some people, like, mm, but yeah, if no, you're gonna very, have, if very, you're gonna, very funny. If you're going to have a kink that you are going to exploit for comedy, that's a great kink to have. Yeah, absolutely. Because Agreed. again, it's very witty. Like, it's all about language. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wanda kisses all the major characters, all the major male characters at some point in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think my favorite actually is when she kisses Ken. Like, he is, is struggling because he's <laughs> stuttering and she just, like, kisses him and then he stops stuttering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a great moment. And how, um, how you were saying that, you know, she knows everyone so well that she plays them at their level, you know, and how, like, with, with Archie, she really plays into his stuffiness. Like, she knows that he that she is, like, the antidote to his his normal, complacent life. Yeah, definitely. And then with, with Ken, she knows that Ken is hopelessly infatuated with her. In fact, he named his favorite fish after her. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so and 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 so she knows that that's how she has to play it. That right. she has to that she has to be a little more hard to get with him because. What did knows. you think of Wanda as a character? Um, I mean, I think she's she's actually a really great character again mm-hmm. because I think that you know she's not simply a femme fatale. Right. Like there is there is a sensitivity to her. There is there is the fact that she is. I mean, I mean for starters, she's like the smartest person of the whole crew. She is. Um, she and is. Uh, she owns. I mean, she owns the whole scheme. She's the one who who carries it out. Uh, you know, she yeah. wins. And and so I think that and 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 also the fact that. Like there is, you know, there is this sensitivity to her because there is a part of her that does actually like fall for John Cleese, like in in an unexpected way, even for her, because, uh, you know, on the one hand, like he's a little, you know, he's he's a mark for sure. Mm -hmm. But like, uh, but yeah, she also, you know, does kind of fall for the earnestness of mm-hmm. him as well. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, I think, I think she, she works as a great character. It's a great performance. And I think that like, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis just like infuses it with a lot of just like grace and, and fun and, um, and, and, you know, just like, just like sheer will too. like, that's the other thing too, is that like, she's just very relentless mm-hmm. in, in how she tackles every single problem. Cause like, she never necessarily, she's like, she's, she's incredibly smart and incredibly capable, but like, you know, not in a, you know, I, I hate the term Mary Sue. I really right. do. I do want, I do want to boycott that term in but general. But she definitely doesn't fit strike, that. Yeah. Like to strike that from the pop cultural gestalt right. period. But like, yeah, no, she, but she's, you know, she's also facing against, you know, unwinnable odds in right. many situations as well. But it's just like that she, she tackles all of these situations with a lot of tenacity and yeah. wit. And uh, sometimes she comes out on top. Sometimes she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think she is a fantastic character. Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't think that. Uh, I mean, when we talk when a lot of these movies, you know, we talk about how the the female, especially when we watch movies from the eighties, like you know, we watch Society in the eighties, and we were talking about well, maybe like the female characters aren't that well developed because the movie's a product of their time, but 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 Wanda as a female character is extremely well developed, and I really I love how strong she is. I love that she has this like great agency, like she really drives the plot of the whole movie. And she is she I mean she's hilarious because she's a great she has this great comic timing, but if we were to pick out a straight char- 
and like the straight man of this movie, it's Wanda. Like she bit, is yeah. a straight man. Yeah, everybody else is definitely a little more a little mm-hmm. more goofy. Um so yeah, I think both Wanda and John Cleese's character a little bit. I mean again, John Cleese does a very good job at being the straight man in yeah, a lot of scenes, right. but then also being the goof in He's the, very bumbling in this movie. Um yeah, so that definitely works. Um and one thing I'll mention too, since you know we want to talk about like, you know, films of the era and you know how and you know, well fleshed out uh female characters. Mm-hmm. Um I have to say I I, I was gearing up to maybe be a little disappointed in how things would play out with um, with Archie's wife. Right. Um, I I mean, she's definitely not, like, as well-developed as... Wendy. Well, yeah, Wendy, 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 Wanda, Wanda, Wanda which, Wendy. Is all, which also makes for a great little <laughs> vo- verbal gag right. during the court scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but so Wendy, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of gearing up to be a little more worried about how like she could come off as just like a one dimensional, you know, nagging wife, you know, like the idea of like a frigid nagging wife, basically. Um, and, and I actually appreciated that, um, that there was more to her in like the moment when she misinterprets the necklace as a gift for her. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that actually like, you know, is a moment of compassion. It, it, it just like the the fact that that actually causes her to warm up to Archie in that moment. It kind of actually helps to sell a bit of the other side of the story right. of the marriage as well. That it's that the the kind of the lack of intimacy is not necessarily being experienced wholly on one side. Right, that there is actually something missing from the marriage itself. Yeah. And um, so I think that they do a really good job of, like, kind of giving her, like, something of an arc in the Mm -hmm. film as well. And then for her to, you know, rightfully at the end in the courthouse deliver this massive slap to him when she finds out that he was, like, spending the whole movie pursuing some other woman Mm -hmm. and getting mixed up with this ridiculous character. So, yeah. so yeah, I think that that uh, e- even for the other you know major female character of the film, um, in the more supporting role, um, yeah, she has a nice so, little arc. Yeah, still has like a good well. And, and she's obviously arc. like I feel like a really smart person too. I mean, in the, in the scene where we were talking about where where Otto pretends to be CIA, she's the one who calls him out. Right? On it. Yeah. She has the yeah. Back that, and forth. Again, yeah, that's like another great moment of just like. Yeah, I, I, certainly Otto obviously being, you know, the, the butt of his own <laughs> right. jokes. But but also, like, yeah, again, she, she is also a very capable person. Yeah. Not at all, not at all oblivious, mm-hmm. not at all a broad, not at all, I mean, like, you know, a, a bit of a broad caricature, but, like, you know, there yeah, there's definitely a lot of layers to mm-hmm. her character even. So, uh, so, yeah, no, the film, I think, definitely um, serves its female characters pretty well. The other female character is the daughter, Portia. Yeah, Portia, Portia a little more underbaked, no, I would say. But here's a here's a great fact about Portia. Okay. Portia was played by Cynthia Cleese, who is actually John Cleese's real really? daughter. Oh man. <laughs> I mean she's very funny. Like she she's is. definitely very funny. Um but but yeah, I mean a little a little less for Portia to do in the movie, I would say. Yeah, I mean it's not about the kids. Yeah, yeah. No. Um all right, so uh, let's go on to the next segment. This next segment is called uh, that's, that's problematic. problematic. Yeah. Now, uh, I will say, yes, this is an 80s movie, so of course there's going to be problematic things in it. It's also a comedy. I feel like comedies are baked to have problematic things in it anyway. It's very rare to have a, a comedy that's just, it's just completely wholesome, I uh, feel. 
Yes, yes and no. I, I would say that, uh, here, here's the thing. I think that, um, many times, not always, but like 95% of the time, a joke is being told at someone's expense. Mm-hmm. And so, so for me, what I look out for when I, and I might have talked about this a bit, uh, on another yeah, episode of the podcast, but, 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 you know, for me, what I look out for is I look out for, um, like at whose expense is a joke being told. Mm-hmm. So like a big part of this movie, the stuttering is, is yeah, is humor. Yeah. Built around, uh, Michael Palin's stutter, mm-hmm. his, uh, Ken's stutter Ken's in stuttering. the film. Um, and so, and, and Michael Palin is again, fantastic in this role. Yeah, it's really it's a really funny role. Um he you know, I mean he 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 plays like he plays the comedy of those situations mm-hmm. very well. Right. Um it's 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 it is pro- I would definitely say it is problematic it is. to to have that much humor built around a person's it's a little stutter. It's it's a pretty yeah, it is a pretty ableist joke and and it's and it's leaned into a lot. Mm-hmm. Um there are like a few moments, I mean there are quite a few moments where um it's used to the effect of highlighting what an asshole Otto is because he most is, of the time I feel he's because he is he is definitely the least compassionate person. Right around his stutter and and treats him the most awfully mm-hmm. for it and the but but a big part of the problem is that like as far as like how the other characters are treating him is that like as i understand it a person who has a stutter um one of the things that like you really shouldn't do is like you shouldn't you shouldn't be like trying to rush them through it, right? And you shouldn't be like trying to finish their sentences. Don't stress them. them out. Like right? that's like that's <laughs> actually like a really like that can be a very triggering mm-hmm. behavior. And so a lot of the comedy in this movie is based around situations of characters trying to rush him through his stutter and stuff like that. So though those moments can be a little more troubling because those are moments where he is the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. And so so that's that that stuff is definitely tough to tough to stomach um now, I, I don't, today. I don't I, have I would say I don't have a stutter. I've never dealt with a stutter, but I have dealt with stammering, which is a a little bit different, but I yeah. I even even I think today I, I I deal with stammer with stammering when I talk. Yeah. And I'm pretty self-conscious about it most of the time. And so I agree with you. I feel like even though I appreciate like the comedic aspect of the movie and his performance, and and I I do think that most of the time, it's like you said, it's used it's used against Otto more than Ken. I feel like for the most part, the other characters are okay with him being a stutterer, and in and in fact, we do get kind of a redemption from it because we Ken gets revenge by the end of it, presumably. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's the thing too. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I I was definitely here for I was definitely here for Ken's revenge right. moment, which is which is as much about Otto's general treatment of him right. as it is about like specifically the slaughtering of all of his fish. Which oh my also, god. That scene, that Jesus scene was Christ. great. What the fuck? Um, and 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 Otto having that great moment as he was getting crushed of what the fuck? Um, was, <laughs> I'm was sorry, I ate your fish. Yeah, um, but, but but I agree with you. I feel like yeah. there are times where I'm when I watch the movie, 
not so much when I first watched it, but now after seeing it, you know, all these years later, where I'm yeah. like a little un- uncomfortable yeah. in those situations. Well, and, and and especially because like in the revenge moment, um, the button of the joke is when his stutter cured. is cured, <laughs> which which like again, it's like. Again, we're working in a very heightened world, mm-hmm. so, like, within this, like, heightened, broad comedy cartoonish era, like, that that idea of that as the payoff of the joke, it makes sense, but I would definitely understand how, like, anybody who's experienced stuttering, uh, anybody who knows anybody who's experienced stuttering, like, yeah, that, that, that would, I would, I would say that, that could definitely be held against mm-hmm. this movie. Um, so yeah, that, that has definitely not aged well. Right. Well, I don't think, see, see, that's one of those aspects though, like, again, going back to the whole concept of whether it's problematic because it's of its time or problematic because it's baked into comedy, quote unquote, um, I think that that's, that's not necessarily something that was added to the movie because, hey, it's the 80s, let's make fun of someone's disability. Wow. Yeah. I, I think that it's just something that, in fact, like John Cleese, when he, when he talked about wanting to make this movie, he and, and Charles Crichton, they wanted to always wanted to work together, and it just never worked out, but John Cleese and him had this idea for the, the basic concept of this movie was that John Cleese wanted to make a movie that included someone with a with a stutter? Like he wanted mm. to put that pre baked into the story, whatever yeah. they came up with. And then Charles Crichton was like, "Well, if you want someone with a stutter, I want someone with I want I, I want to have a steamroller on it." So then they mm-hmm. kind of put both of those ideas together in okay. the character of Ken. Yeah, but it, it's something that I feel like it, it has more to do with, I guess, like the comedic sensibilities. Of John Cleese, because John Cleese is the kind of, I mean, all of his comedy, even in Monty Python, I feel like it's very, it's not, I wouldn't call it mean spirited, but it's definitely what you would call like British mean. And I'm using air quotes when I say that. Yeah. It's British mean. Well, yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah. Well, and, and when I talk about, when I talk about age, well, I'm definitely more, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about like, yeah, the sensibilities of the era. I think that like, you know, Look, it's it's 2020 now, so right. like there's there's just a lot more conversation going on around ableism That's true. and around it's absolutely true. and 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 so it's just it's just that like we live in a time where you know there's just there's there's more being communicated now and and more opportunities for people to you know be be more informed about like the impacts that certain jokes and ideas have on the right. people who you know experience those those kinds of. Uh, you know, disabilities. It's like so, movie, like movies like uh, there's something about Mary or the Hangover movies even that make fun of like a person's like mental uh, disability. Yeah, like you yeah. know. So 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 yeah. No, I mean it's like yeah. We're we're always trying to move forward and mm-hmm. we're always trying to learn and and you know like comedy is always is always going to be like at the forefront of that because you know co- you know comedy is is very heavily driven by controversy. Right, exactly. And I, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. And shock I, value, even. You well, yeah, know. yeah, exactly. It's like part, of, part of what's funny about Ken as a character is that it's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, well, a, a big part of, like, the fact that I think it's in, it, it is important that controversy is a part of comedy because mm-hmm. I think that that comedy does have an ability to allow people to address uncomfortable things about society mm-hmm. that maybe aren't as as like like in in a way that allows them to process that kind of stuff you know 
it, you know, while at the same time being able to do so in in a venue of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I. I, I get that that's always going to be constantly a, a push and pull. Right. Um, like, I, it's, ju- it's just, and, and so that's, that's not to say necessarily that I always think that the excuse of it's just a joke chill out right is an exit is 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 a valid excuse i, I think feel- it's just it's it is it is it is always just that question of like what what is it that you're trying to question mm-hmm. with your joke and what, I, what is what is the assumption of your audience that you're trying to challenge i feel a joke? lot of times also the difference between something being offensive or not is if it's a good joke to begin with yeah. Because if it's a lazy joke that's just playing on the disability, then that's not funny, you know? Like that's that goes beyond problematic. That that's like tasteless, you know? Yeah. But like something like this, like I I can recognize like I hate the people who are who like, you know, you said, "Oh, it's just a joke." Because oftentimes if you have to say it's just a joke, then it wasn't a very good joke to begin with. Yeah. You know? And something like this, I think that you can make the argument like, "Yeah, it's a joke." That doesn't mean it's not problematic, you know? Yeah. It, it can be problematic and still be a successful joke because the humor is still there. It still works. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, and yeah, and, and I would agree that, yeah, there is definitely a big difference between people who say shitty things right. and then try to say it's just a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and and certainly, yes, there are, there are well-structured, very problematic jokes out there, mm-hmm. too. Um, and so, yeah, we can always, we can always appreciate, we can always appreciate, you know, the, the, the humor of it. Right. Um, but yeah, but it is always important to, to call it out, to call out when those problematic absolutely. things, when, when those jokes do, you know, victimize real yeah, people. And, um, and, and then also I think that, you know, I think it's, I think it's fine to hold comedians to task um, for trying to do better going yeah. forward. And, and so that's a thing. And, and so, yeah, like, yeah, we definitely, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to call out those aspects mm-hmm. of a fish called Wanda. Right. Um, does not necessarily hamper my overall enjoyment right. of the movie. I, guess I at think the end of the day, it's really great. Because at the end of the day, his character came on, on top. So he does win, uh, quote unquote, <laughs> as opposed to Otto. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, and and again, I would I would partially push back against that idea overall <laughs> if part of his winning is magically being cured of his disability, right? So so I would push back on that idea mm-hmm. a little bit, but I but also again, a big part of it is that like you know just the structure of the comedy, like it is it is it is an escalation of a very right. specific joke right. that that results in a very specific punchline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think that that aspect of the film. It it still comes off as a little troubling, and so that's something that I, that's some, yeah. So that is something I'm I'm still going to personally reckon with as I come back to the movie. But I am probably going to keep coming back to the movie because <laughs> it is uh, that stuff aside, very fucking funny. Now the stutter. Yeah. Uh, is, what's interesting about it is uh, Michael Palin's dad, his father, actually stutters or stuttered. Yeah. Past tense. So Michael used his dad a lot and, and his real life experiences with him uh, when playing Ken Pyle. That's what he was imitating. He was imitating the type of stutter that his dad had. That's interesting. Um, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, that's the thing is that like I think it was very well performed. It is very well yeah. performed. It's a good performance, including for sure. one of the things that he included uh, that his dad um, 
taught him, I guess, about stuttering is the fact that Ken's stutter is less pronounced around people that he trusts and worse around people that he's uncomfortable with. So mm. he always stutters a lot worse around Otto, which fuels, you know, Otto's disdain and, t- and bullying of him, which makes the stuttering worse. Yeah. And that is climaxed in the chips scene, the interrogation scene. Yeah. Um, and, and but then when he's around George or Wanda, he stutters less. Yeah, that's actually a really good detail. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, another interesting thing about it, now, we're not the first people, obviously, to call him out on this. In fact, people have called, him, uh, called out this aspect of this movie pretty much from the beginning. It's yeah. one of those things that, you know, if you're making fun of people who stutter, people are going to notice, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, a lot of um, stuttering, you know, students, um, they, they actually contacted Michael Palin about this, about his performance in this movie. And as a result of his interaction with them, he founded the London Center for Stammering Children. Hmm. And uh, uh, to this day, the, the London Center uh, is, is a school that operates in London, and it, uh, its um, primary goal is to help people with uh, speech impediments. Hmm. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Now, uh, what we get, of course, we talked about the revenge with a steamroller. The original ending actually had Otto dead for good. Uh, I was going to say, I was surprised <laughs> that he made it to that airplane and then still survived to get a, uh, to get a little, you One know, what, what are they doing now afterwards, like before the credits rolled. Apparently, here's what happened, as often is the case. Uh, when they were showing the movie at U.S. previews, the audience liked Otto so much that the extra scene was shot with him covered in cement and blood but alive, um, staring at Cleese and Curtis through the plane window. Hmm. So. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 was, I was pretty much ready to write him off as dead. And honestly, again, I would have been, like, okay been fine with it. Because, yeah. like, he yeah, he's, it. he's such an asshole, and, and, and that would have been a very funny death. Again, it was a hilarious again, death. Again, within this, within this broad, right. heightened, comedic you know, universe that they're working in. Obviously, a person actually getting crushed by a steamroller is a horrifying right. thing and right. an awful, awful death. But... For that moment, within this kind of broad comedic sensibility, yeah, it's pretty pretty fucking funny. Uh, another interesting thing about that is uh, this is one of two movies released in 1988 in which the main villain is run over with a steamroller and survives. Can hmm. you name the other movie? 88? Yeah. That's a bonus trivia question here. I, I can't. I can't even. <laughs> I, I don't know. What movie? Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Who Framed Roger <laughs> Rabbit? Yeah. The Judge. Judge Man. Doom. Well, sure. Great. Yes. yes. Uh, absolutely. Good year. Good year for a, steamrollers. Yeah, 88 was a great year for steamrollers. The the one that I keep, kept coming back to when watching that scene was uh, the, the Austin Powers steamroller. Right. Um, no! That, yeah, which, which is also a great steamroller death scene. Yeah, it um, is. <laughs> um, all right. So, anything else about this movie that struck you as problematic? That was the big thing. Um, I did not appreciate uh, Michael Palin's the Rastafarian uh, get up. Yeah, the Rastafarian wig. Now, here's the, the thing or, about or the that. dreadlocks. I should say, but um, it was a pretty because because the the van yeah. was a Rastafarian van. Also, it was yeah. a, a weed van. So uh, that's what I guess that was the character he was going for. But I will say this one thing about it. 
Yeah. At least they didn't put him in brown face. This is true. <laughs> we can appreciate that. At least they didn't take it that far. Yeah. But that good, is pretty problematic. Job. But yeah, I was I wasn't the biggest fan mm-hmm. of of the choice to have him dressed in that as mm-hmm. a little disguise. I think uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that was, that was not could have done without. Not it. great. Could have done without that too. Um, again, yeah, the movie the movie is a product of its time, <laughs> and so I think yes, we can. Uh, and, and 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 I'm I am glad to hear that that people were vocal about some of those problematic issues. Uh, oh yeah, at the time as well. Um, I wasn't yeah. sure. Again, going going back again, to because uh, it sounds like it was a very successful movie, right? But and um, again, going yeah. back to like movies like There's Something About Mary, The Hangover, like I feel like those are also comedies where uh, they're they were very successful at the time, but that they, that didn't mean that people didn't speak out about the problematic yeah. things about them instantly, you know? Yeah. Which is why I kind of you know I'm kind of wrestling with it because I'm like yeah I I again I understand that it's problematic. But the joke still works, so you, that's where that's where I find the balance. I'm like, if if overall, it's still successful within the context of the world that they create, yeah, then it it was still you know a good thing to be included, or maybe not a good thing. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's a successful thing to be included in the movie that doesn't take away from the problematic aspect of it. Yeah, for example, the Rastafarian wig. That's a thing that's problematic that doesn't add anything to the movie. Yeah, that's a thing. Like that that yeah, that didn't it 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 barely qualified as a joke even right. for me. It's just kind of Cuz he could have worn there. any number of disguises. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. So yeah. so that 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 to me is how I judge whether in both cases they're problematic, but in one case to for me it's successful in the other case I can do without it. It's yeah. not successful. Yeah. All right, final thoughts. We're coming to the end of our discussion here. Um, Ned, Fish Called Wanda. What do you think? Bad movie, so-so movie, good movie, great movie, somewhere in between. Where do you fall? Where do you land? I think it's great. Hmm? I really think it's great. Um, It's just, I mean... Boy, they they just don't they don't make comedies like this mm-hmm. anymore. Like speci- specifically talking about just like great heightened British comedies. Right. Like it's just so witty. Uh, it's just so full of just so much going on. Um, amazing larger than life characters. Really, really well rec- realized performances. Um, Amazing physical comedy, like just a wonderful visual sense mm-hmm. to to just make sure that there is visual humor to accompany the humor of the dialogue, like and the sense of timing. Yeah, just like amazing timing, amazing performances. Like it's just it's it's great. It's just a wonderful, wonderful package. Um, yeah, I I had a genuine good time with this one and and it and it won me over very very early as mm-hmm. i mentioned earlier so uh so yeah i really had a had a blast i agree i think it's a great movie it's one of the best comedies from the 80s certainly uh mm-hmm. it probably maybe one of the greatest comedies of all time if we're if we're like looking at a maybe like a list of like a top 100 or something like that i would I, put this in that in that list yeah i i i, I think i i, I want to see it a few more times to be sure at least so mm-hmm. but yeah no i mean just from this first viewing i'd say it, it it probably ranks i mean it's it's one of those movies and like we talk so much about how how funny it is and how great the comedy is and we talked a little bit about how genuine the heartfelt moments are but that's really what sells it to me yeah. is how it can go from being so broad and comedic and cartoony to being very genuine yeah. from one moment to the next. And it's like perfectly 
toned throughout that when we go through those scenes like we're, we're along for the ride and we completely buy it hook, hook line and sinker yeah definitely. and this movie doesn't get called a, a romantic comedy ever it's it's a, definitely a heist comedy but I think there's so much romance in this movie too. It might yeah. might qualify as a romantic comedy. I, as yeah, well. I, I I did I did appreciate like how the romance blossomed between John Cleese and Jamie Lee Curtis by the end of it. And uh, yeah, I th- I thought that that aspect of it was was kind of sweet actually. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence. Thank you, Ned, for watching a fish called Wanda with me and talking about it. A genuine pleasure. Uh, I hope that you join me next time. Um, now. We did two comedies in a row, again, because I wanted to compare these two types of comedies. Yeah. Uh, but next time, we'll go back into horror, I promise you. And all <laughs> you guys out there listening, uh, we thank you for sticking with us through two comedy films. and hope you enjoyed the experience. Come back next time where we'll discuss another schlocky horror masterpiece of some mm-hmm. kind. Until then, guys, just don't screw each other over. Just take the key Open the safety deposit box, grab that movie, and watch it. Yeah, don't screw each other over, just screw each other. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship, no emotion, just sex. Just, I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex.